Welcome back to Pod TST. I'm Kenneth Arthur, and every week an episode of Pod TST will preview the upcoming Rams game by talking to a fan or a writer, uh, expert of the opposing team. And you know, this week I think I definitely have a guy who qualifies as both a fan and an expert and a writer, I guess. So all three. Uh, Walter Mitchell, who is working over there at uh, the SB Nation Cardinals blog, Revenge of the Birds. Um, you know, I, I mean, my first thought, Walter, is, you know, I, I know, how, how long have uh, you been over there at Revenge of the Birds? Because uh, I'd, I've, I've known of the site for over a decade of, of writing at SB Nation, but uh, I'm not sure I, I came across your articles maybe uh, in the past. How long have you been at Revenge of the Birds? I think this is my third year now, Ken. Um, okay. I, although I was writing off and on there for a few years, um, and I was blogging on another site for like 20 years. Yeah. Um, so, but... Uh, That's clear. Yeah. I, I think it's clear that you've got a lot of experience. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and I, when I say that I didn't come across it, it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, uh, but mostly it was, I think it was the... Is Seth Cox is the managing editor? Yes, he's before, our captain. Before that, it was Jess Root. Right. So I was more familiar with the Jess Root era, but now you've got Seth Cox, Walter Mitchell, um, and I. You know, I, I was. I'm. I'm. I'm impressed by all the. You know, your guys' coverage, and you just wrote this article: the top five ranked offenses that nobody likes, uh, or the top yeah. five ranked offense that nobody likes. Um, and you do a deep dive on the Cardinals' offense here. Uh, what, how would you sum up your 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 sort of your thesis going into that article or coming out of it in terms of the Cardinals' offense? Well, the the title of the article, the top five offense that nobody likes, is intentionally sarcastic <laughs> because um, you know the, the the local Arizona media has been highly critical of Cliff Kingsbury and at times Kyler Murray. Mm -hmm. And I find it kind of astonishing that two years ago, we had the worst team in the NFL. We had the worst offense by mm -hmm. far. Um, and, um, you know, they, the Cardinals press did a reset and got uh, Cliff Kingsbury on board and then drafted Kyler Murray, which was controversial because they already had Josh Rosen. And, um, but, Murray was such a good fit with Kingsbury and it was just a natural thing. And here we are 27 games later and the cart Cardinals are relevant again. Mm -hmm. They're six and five and in the playoff hunt. Yeah. Um, their offensive rankings are number two in the league in yards per game. They're number, they have the number two yards per game rushing mm -hmm. in the NFL and they're number eight in scoring. Yeah, and so, sixth in points per drive. So even better when you break it down per drive. Right. And we've lost three games on where we missed field goals and the other team nailed a 50-yarder to beat us. <laughs> um, so, and he's got us playing hard in every game, which is, for me, is, is a, a joy because we've had so many years, Ken, where mm -hmm. some games are over by, you know, the first time you – you know, sat down. Um, and, you know, so it's, it's a refreshing change and I don't get the negativity. So I just tried to lay out there all the positives that I see mm -hmm. and why um, I think that we have a 
you know, um, more, you know, um, of an opportunity to be optimistic than negative. At this yeah. Point. And I mean, when you're talking about uh, what you alluded to, the fact that the Cardinals even had the opportunity to draft two top 10 quarterbacks in two successive years, and it tells you that, hey, this was a team that consistently was drafting near the top of the draft, which is uh, not where you want to be maybe, and then also wanting to have that exciting offense because it's something that the Cardinals have been searching for for a long time, and they, they get it. Uh, they got it periodically from uh, the Kurt Warner offense and the Carson Palmer offense. Uh, but what about that guy who wasn't, you know, in his mid to late thirties? Uh, could you find a quarterback like that? And what was your initial feeling uh, of Steve Wilkes and Josh Rosen? What did you, did you have any issues with them moving on from both of those guys after one year? Well, I, I felt bad for both of them to tell you the truth. Um, it was just wrong place at the wrong time. Um, I think, you know, as I was writing about this back then, I called it a Bruce Arians hangover. Um, I think the organization was, you know, kind of trying to quickly move on from BA and, you know, uh, BA was, you know, did a lot of good things in Arizona and, mm -hmm. you know, things, his health sort of deteriorated towards the end there. And, as did the team's success. And, um, you know, and I, I think that it, the, the higher of what I didn't understand from the start, Ken was mm -hmm. you had a top 10 draft pick. You're going to draft your quarterback of the future. Why hire a defensive coach mm -hmm. for head coach? Why not hire an offensive coach and pair him, have him be part of the conversation to which quarterback you're going to draft and, and, you know, lock that in. So I just, from the start worried about that. And then the offensive coordinator that they paired with, with Wilkes, Mike McCoy mm -hmm. was about as vanilla as one could get. Um, most of the offense was running David Johnson into a brick wall mm -hmm. Um, you know, out of, you know, 12 personnel. Um, and it was really unimaginative. And uh, also we had Sam Bradford starting at quarterback, not Rosen for the first three games. And, you know, the Rams took care of that, yeah. that experiment pretty quickly as that game was uh -huh. brutal. They, you know, Sean McVay was on the scene and uh, by then and, um, they whooped us. In fact, the Rams have been whooping us ever since BA called them out um, in a in an egregious display of hubris um, when we beat them on a Monday night and called them a perpetual eight and eight team at best. And ever yeah. since then, the Rams have been on our case uh, pretty big. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, you mentioned Mike McCoy. You know, he was the offensive coordinator of the Broncos from 2009 to 2012, which put him at the you know, the uh, Tim Tebow era. And then, you know, the Broncos really took off. He had that Peyton Manning for one year, but then the Broncos really took off after he left to become the head coach of the San Diego Chargers, uh, where there were struggles there. And then he went back to the Broncos for one year for the Trevor Simeon year, and then very short-lived as the Cardinals offensive coordinator. So it did seem like there were a lot of 
just moving parts because they they go from Mike McCoy to Byron Leftwich in the middle of that season, and then they right. you know they go to Josh Rosen. Uh, right. They 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 made a lot of changes, and then and then they fire Steve Wilkes, and then they they move on from him, and they make this bold decision um, to you know go with Cliff Kingsbury. I guess we'll just I'll start with Cliff Kingsbury because you know probably in my lifetime it's hard to think of of other hires that came so far at a left field. Maybe Greg Schiano comes to mind, but even Greg Schiano was a guy who had a lot of respect at Rutgers and, and was like definitely considered that way. But Cliff Kingsbury didn't have a lot of respect coming out of Texas tech. You know, it's just sort of, maybe he was this guy who had spent 15 years of his life, just always with the air raid offense, always with this kind of offense associated with, he's got a little bit of association with Tom Brady, you know, because he spent a little bit of time with the Patriots organization. Um, but it, sometimes bold moves pay off and obviously cliff kingsbury as you said he's he's a little he's a, almost two seasons in the offense is respectable again they make this bold move with kyler murray and all that um going into cliff kingsbury first of all i guess what was your evaluation of general manager steve kime through all of this all these changes all these opportunities to think like well we're, if we move on from bruce arians and, and we ought to do this and that like how would you evaluate the job of steve kime through all this well, Steve Keimer is like Lazarus back from the dead. I mean, um, there were many of us kind of wondering whether um, he should have gone out with Wilkes. Um, and at that point, you know, uh, it was coming off three pretty down years. Um, you know, the, the previous years when Arians was hot, I mean, Keim won executive of the year and, and um, deserved it. Mm -hmm. So, but I have a theory um, you know, I don't have inside knowledge of this, but in connecting the dots, here's what I believe. And I think, and I, I really credit Kime and owner Michael Bidwell for this. I think Kyler Murray was the, was their choice for quarterback before they hired Cliff Kingsbury, mm. because I think that they were looking for to raise the excitement level. You know, Steve Kimes said later on, months later, that he envisioned fireworks or whenever he saw Murray play. I think he envisioned that earlier, and I think Michael Bidwell did too. Because when they, you know, so then they thought, who would be a good coach for Kyler Murray? And, you know, coming out of that air raid in, in Oklahoma, you know, um, they thought, well, what about an air raid coach? Yeah. And of course, Kingsbury was out there. He was, you know, hired as defensive coordinator at USC. But that was kind of a loose commitment, I guess, because he was talking to NFL teams. I know the Jets were involved. Mm -hmm. And not the, the most, uh, not the most encouraging endorsement, maybe <laughs> when the Jets are involved. But uh... yeah, well, they were really serious. They got to Kingsbury first. He was interviewing with them. And I have a feeling that the reason why they got him to Arizona so fast was mm -hmm. they called the agent and said, Hey, look, we have the number one pick in the draft. Everything's, you know, possible. Yeah. Intent. And, you know, <laughs> Kingsbury had that in, infamous um, interview before his game with Oklahoma and Lincoln yeah. Riley and Kyler Murray, where he said, if I had the number one pick in the draft, I would take Kyler Murray. I wonder if the um, uh, jets have started contacting Dabo Sweeney yet. 
Yeah, see, there, you know, that would make a lot of sense to me. Or Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Um, Did you, you know, think that Lincoln Riley, though, do you think Lincoln Riley could have been, do you think that's someone they called before Cliff Kingsbury? Well, I think they may have tried to, Ken, because, you know, why not? Package deal. I, but I don't think Lincoln Riley was ready to leave Oklahoma then. Mm-hmm. Plus, um, his contract's pretty lucrative out there. And there were contract ramifications, I would imagine. And I don't know if if Lincoln Riley would have hitched his wagon to the worst team in the NFL coming mm-hmm. in. Um, yeah. Even with Kyler Murray, I don't know. But I, I don't think it was financially feasible um, for the Cardinals to do this on top of paying a coaching staff they just fired. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, I mean, what's interesting is in the press conference, Michael Bidwell um, thanked Ernie Accorsi, the old New York Giants GM, um, for his input on the hiring of Cliff Kingsbury. And what I found fascinating about that is Ernie Corsi is known as quote unquote, the quarterback guy. I mean, he, he drafted Eli Manning and, or traded for Eli Manning. And, you know, he's always been kind of a, a GM who, who was able to draft good quarterbacks. And so I think they consulted a, a Corsi first about Kyler Murray uh-huh. because you know, the questions at that point were, can we get him away from the baseball contract? Because yeah. nobody knew then. And if we can, is he, you know, at 5'10", do you think, Ernie, that Kyler Murray can be a factor in the NFL? And can his game translate from college into the pros? And I think when Michael Bigwell credited Corsi, that's what went down was that Corsi said, man, this kid's dynamic because of his combination of his arm and his feet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I would, you know, I think he's so excited. I said, you know, he, he probably said, yeah, I'd say go for it. And then he was probably as well involved with, um, you know, helping them figure out who, what coach to pair him with. And mm-hmm. Kingsbury was a natural fit. Of course, Kingsbury knows Kyler. Yeah. tried to recruit him, Texas Tech. Loves him, um, you know, as said, he would take him with the number one pick, and and they did. So, but the Cardinals, because I, they couldn't announce their intentions on Murray right away because of the baseball issue. And I think after that, they just tried to keep everything sort of, you know, a secret. Yeah. To build up to the draft for high drama and excitement, which many of us on the – Revenge of the Birds were upset about because we thought that if you're going to take Murray, put Rosen out on the trading, you know, market so you can yeah. get maximum value for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you, they didn't do that until after they picked Murray, which fortunately for the Cardinals, I mean, <laughs> they were at least able to get a second round pick yeah. from the Dolphins. Um, which was surprising to me um, because at the draft, usually, you know, um, it's harder to make trades um, of the of that magnitude and get value back in return. It's hard to, yeah, and it's it seems hard at this point, especially with hindsight, to fault either team, kind of, but but mostly just looking at the fact that the Cardinals. I mean, 
let's say, let's take Mitchell Trubisky, for example. I mean, right. if you draft Mitchell Trubisky, the, what we see is that the result is you just get four years of a bad quarterback and you get nothing else and that's it. You know, you just, you had a top 10 pick and it didn't do anything for you. You know, the fact is Josh Rosen wasn't going to do anything for the Cardinals as we now know. Uh, because he's he didn't do anything for the Dolphins and he hasn't been able to crack off of a practice squad this year and nobody you know the Dolphins were going to get I don't even remember if they did get anything in, in return for when he left but it was just like the fact that a team could get a second round pick for a player regardless of when he was a top 10 pick because at the end of the day Josh Rosen had put a bunch of NFL tape out there whether it was for Steve Kime and right. Mike McCoy or not it wasn't looking good and you know there are and then at the same token I think if I'm the Miami Dolphins if I can get a prospect like Josh Rosen in the mid to late second round or whatever it was uh hell yes give me that prospect because most second round quarterbacks don't have the ceiling of Josh Rosen so it it did feel good at that time And, and who knows you know if we have to completely write off Josh Rosen but well well would you write off Josh Rosen at this point no I think He's a very gifted quarterback. I just think that's why I feel bad for him. Yeah. Wrong place, wrong time. I mean, you know, um, that offense in Arizona, no quarterback could have run that, Ken. I mean, that's just that year, um, you know, the best best choice you had was throwing to Larry Fitzgerald, which is obviously, you know, any quarterback's dream. Mm -hmm. But – Beyond that, I mean, David Johnson had put on weight. He wasn't the same player he looked like a couple of years ago. Um, the offense, you know, it was in transition. We, they fired McCoy after, you know, like six games. I mean, it was just a total mess. And I now, see like, yeah, just looking at that offensive line, Mason Cole, the center, a rookie at the time, uh, is right. the only player to play more than 10 games on Correct. the offensive line. That's a great call. That is a great call. Um, They were dropping like flies on the O-line. We had like something like over during the course of the season, 20 offensive line combinations game after game. I mean, Mason Cole actually did a pretty good job as a rookie. He was Uh this stalwart. But, um, you know, and then the Dolphins situation, you know, I I just felt like, you know, they had – they liked – Fitzpatrick enough to go with him and you know I I, and at that point I I really didn't blame them and I don't think they were all that invested in Rose and they were just kind of kind of kick the tires and see Mm -hmm. and then the limited time that that Josh had to play for them and that was another team sort of down on its luck and scraping to try to win games Um, yeah you know he he had a couple good decent games but you know in the case of Josh Rosen the system matters Mm -hmm. I think he's like a west coast offense quarterback Mm -hmm. you put him with a coach that believes in him uh, I you know he's a really smart kid and yeah got a great arm had a tough time at UCLA like I mean in terms of what he had to deal with at UCLA you know he hasn't really had a lot he hasn't really been put in many situations to to blossom you know and it does does feel that way maybe I, I believe he's on the Bucks practice squad now right. so maybe there's something there with Arians and uh, Brady uh, 
uh, excuse yeah, and Brady to, to be like, okay, well, this is how you act. You know, this is what it's like to be on a good team or whatever, right. you know, um, and we'll see what's happened there. Speaking of good teams, uh, you know, I know a lot of people out there want to talk about the team that we'll see on Sunday. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about uh, what you had written here too in this article about how the offense is exceeding more. Um, can you just explain a little bit about how the um, – the buck is passed down offensively. Like, does, does it is it uh, sort of Cliff Kingsbury is calling the plays, and then Kyler Murray is, you know, does Kyler Murray make a lot of decisions on the field? And are there any offensive assistants who have played like like assistant coaches who do you think play like a really significant role in in the good or the bad of this offense? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I had written a previous article a few days ago. Called, called, you know, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury's offense isn't a, an air raid; it's a mm. collaboration raid, <laughs> um, because, you know, he's very committed in the NFL to running the football, which was quite a surprise, mm-hmm. you know, coming in, and that's why I think some of the pundits and fans are a little like, "What's going on here?" Mm-hmm. I mean, we um, run the ball, I think. What was it? I just looked it up the other day. I think we're the like fourth number four in the NFL of running the ball um, yeah. in percentage of run versus pass. Of course, Kyler has something to do with that, Ken, because you know he's he's a threat to run. Has been. Is there a what's the how's the split between designed runs and scrambles? Um, a ratio about I think about fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but that's that's kind of been curtailed the last two weeks because Kyler's nursing a shoulder soreness, um, like in an AC joint. Um, so they're a little reluctant to, to run him right now. Mm-hmm. I, I think he might be fine for this week, but last two weeks he just, you know, they've been trying to take it easy on him. Um, but Sean Kugler, the offensive line coach, has been instrumental um, Tom Clements, the quarterback coach, the former Green Bay offensive coordinator who helped to, to groom Aaron Rodgers, um, David Ray and, and uh, Jerry Sullivan, the um, wide receiver coaches, and Steve Hyden, the tight end coach, they all brainstorm on a weekly base, basis and kind of come up with the game plan. So, and Cliff has embraced all of them um, mm-hmm. and their NFL experience, having not come into the NFL with coaching experience in the NFL. And I think it's really helped him. But I also think that, you know, it's held him back a little bit. I don't think this is the offense that he really envisioned. Um, but I think for right now, he's trying to cater his offense to the strengths of the personnel and we have one stud wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins and some complimentary pieces, but the two running backs are pretty solid, Ken. Um, Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. So I think they're trying to, you know, kind of get the best of both worlds, a power running game and, a, you know, um, a precision passing game downfield with Kyler. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, went to Washington State University and All right. uh, I remember when Mike Leach was hired to be the, court, uh, the coach at Washington State, 
and Cliff Kingsbury was Mike Leach's first quarterback at Texas Tech. Uh, you know, Cliff Kingsbury was the quarterback there when uh, Spike Dykes was the head coach, and then Mike Leach comes in. He's, in, you know, it's all about this air raid. You know, really starting something new. And, you know, in Cliff Kingsbury's uh, senior season, he had uh, 712 pass attempts uh, for 5,017 yards and 45 touchdowns in only 14 games. And, and people could look at those numbers and go like, damn, what is this? You know, uh, these are numbers and, and that's crazy. And of course, you know, Texas Tech, Hawaii, Houston, you know, a lot of, you know, teams were employing this. And then I remember when Mike Leach came to Washington State, that excitement of like, holy crap, we're going to have like 800 passes and 6,000 yards and 50 right. touchdowns. And those first few years, it was so boring. It was so frustrating to watch because it was like, it wasn't a lot of running, but it was like very interesting when they would choose to run, the runs wouldn't gain a lot. And then all the passes were very short. And you started to think like, I thought air raid, you think airing it out. You think about right. like, and people from Texas Tech, Texas Tech fans, would contact, I remember just like, I think it might've been even at the Kook Center blog, uh, which I would read a lot at the time for the Washington State fans. Uh, they, they would talk about like, listen, Mike Leach's offense is not that exciting in the beginning. He needs time to install it, to get his players in to run it. It's not, right. gonna, it's, not gonna, it's not gonna be that great in the beginning. It takes time. And sure enough, you know, Mike Leach's first few years were not good to watch and then when the right quarterbacks came in, the right receivers, and, the, and they were able to really install that offense, it did kind of take off, and it was a little bit more exciting. Is that sort of the 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 phase and the, the evolution you've noticed with Arizona? Boy, I I'm really glad you said that because that is exactly I think what Cardinal fans who were expecting. I made the analogy of. They're expecting to go to the circus to see the trapeze artists doing somersaults and flame throwing, and they're instead getting a steady diet of a circle of elephants on the, <laughs> on the big top floor. Yeah. I mean, so, and for a while there, we were calling the offense the screen raid, which <laughs> yeah. was driving us nuts. And I, you know, partly because, you know, it was just like, get the ball quick, get the ball quick. And, you know, but there's a cost for that I mean those those wide receiver screens I mean a lot of D-backs are taking the romance out of you know those screens I mean you know getting Larry pounded four times a game on those for like four yard gains mm -hmm. Larry Fitzgerald and mm -hmm. DeAndre Hopkins who was nursing an ankle injury made no sense to throw those passes in when you can get them open you know in the intermediate range frequently um so yes and the big turnaround was after many people were fans and pundits were complaining about the screen 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 um cliff made a change and kind of uh got away from running screens and got into throwing downfield more taking mm -hmm. shots downfield and that was one of the main reasons why i think we went on a really impressive three-game winning streak I mean, I don't know if you saw the Dallas game on on a, um, a nationally televised. It was a Monday night game. Yeah. Um, you know, Kyler hit Christian Kirk on a like eighty yard bomb. Um, you know, in full stride. I mean, we were just starting to 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 take deep shots. And is Christian Kirk is, always, is Christian Kirk really the the deep guy? Well, it's actually Andy Isabella. Um, oh, okay. 
but Kirk is sneaky. He can get Pat in there too. Um, what was your feeling? And you, and you can, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is sneaky good deep as well. He plays with great leverage and you mm-hmm. can throw it up to him like that Hail Mary, um, the Hail Murray, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so, but I've always been of the belief and having coached high school level for, for years is if you can't back a defense off, they're just going to load the box and hammer on you all game. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, nothing backs a defense off more like more than taking your shots downfield. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the Seahawks mm-hmm. this year with DK. I mean, now that they have that element in their offense, how do you defend them with Russell? Yeah. Russell behind, you know, taking the snap with Lockett running around, getting free over the middle, and DK Metcalf going deep. I yeah. mean, defenses are going to play on their heels. Um, yeah, that's to. that's like definitely what the Rams have been missing this year uh, is is that ability to take the top off uh, of the defense, and they don't really, you know, have that same threat because Josh Reynolds is their deep threat, and that that's not that. Um, threatening and also Jared Goff is throwing the passes and he's not really been threatening this year either Um, and that that's definitely been an issue for the Rams and yeah with regards to the Seahawks too just watching them as much as you know if DK Metcalf had come first and Russell Wilson had come second then you could then people would say like oh finally DK Metcalf has a quarterback who can throw accurate deep passes the fact that they're together allows them to both thrive which is almost because the fact that Russell Wilson established himself and and came first, it's almost like DK Metcalf is really the MVP of that team because he's the first guy that allows Russell Wilson to do what he does best. And, and, and so, I mean, is that also, I mean, so the, the Cardinals don't have that, obviously that DK Metcalf, even though they do have a wide receiver who might be the best in the NFL. Um, what, well, what, what exactly is it that uh, DeAndre Hopkins has, has changed for the Cardinals offense this year and for Kyler Murray? Because Kyler's numbers have improved. How much has Kyler improved? And how much of it is just having DeAndre Hopkins finally? Yeah, we're, you know, Hopkins is, uh, he's just such a slippery player and he's, he's so savvy. We've gotten away from throwing to him. Um, the Dolphins and the Patriots played him, you know, they didn't even mind giving up holding calls and occasional pass interferences um, to try to make the statement, maybe you ought to pass somewhere else. And Mm -hmm. it kind of worked. In both of those games, he had like, you know, in the Dolphins game, he drew four pass interference calls. But he only had three other passes thrown to him, and he caught all three for like 30 yards. And then in the Patriots game last week, he had five catches for 55 yards. And that's, we, I'm sure that this week they're fine. Cliff and the coaches are finding other ways to, you know, get him in mesh plays and get him out in the open field because we tend to isolate him on the left side there where he's really good, but teams are tilting their safety in that direction and they're getting grabby with him. Um, so getting him out, you know, running, you know, off rubs and, and, and dig routes and other things that he does really well will be important for the Cardinals moving forward. I mean, they have to target him more than they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry Fitzgerald's been on the COVID list, unfortunately. 
and knowing him, he probably got COVID helping out at, <laughs> at Thanksgiving yeah. in his charities. Um, and he still isn't off the COVID list. Um, we're hoping for that today. Um, but he's, he's a solid, you know, down the middle. He's more of a flex tight end now, Ken. Okay. Um, you know, and he, he, he's instrumental in the running game too. He, he blocks well, but, um, yeah, I mean, we haven't, Kirk's been off and on good and just, you know, non-existent in games, Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella is still getting his feet wet. So we don't have really that complimentary, um, wide receiver that the Rams have. Yeah with their two-headed monster in, in Woods and Cup. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a prolific duo right there. Um, and for what they do, how they run them off, you know, mm -hmm. rubs and, and drag routes and, you know, intermediate passes to get them the ball to then turn them into running backs. Yeah. You know, as a, you know that's what the 49ers do with mm -hmm. Debo Samuel. I mean, that's becoming a vogue position in the nfl now is there any receivers. is there any of those um do you think any anybody like two years from now will anybody and will any of these wide receivers be on the roster except for deandre hopkins that's a great question i i'm hoping that andy isabella and Keyshawn johnson who's starting to get a little more their complimentary wide receivers isabella is freakishly fast um you know, he ran like a four-three-one at the combine. Yeah, he, he he's, you know, and he's kind of a baller. I think we can use him in the slot. We can play him all over the place. Christian Kirk. What's surprising to me is, I thought, you know, he he was a second-round draft pick because teams loved what he did in the slot at Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if he's told the coaches or whatever. He doesn't seem to want to play the slot in the NFL. And so, you know, right now the slot is the Vogue position mm -hmm. um, because – and you're drafting guys who are, you know, who when they catch the ball become running backs. And, you know, they're rack run-after-catch machines. Um, every team needs one or two of those guys. We don't have that yet. Uh, I think we can get it from Isabella. Um, but – and I was hoping we'd get it from Kirk, but – unless they start trying him in there because um, he's got the ability. I just don't know if he has the desire. You have to really want to be able to play in traffic yeah, um, and maneuver around, you know, the safeties when you're catching balls like that. So, you know, but hats off, hats off to the Rams because they got two, mm -hmm. they got more than one. They have two. <laughs> and, and I can think the kid Jefferson, um, has potential of being a third. Yeah. It's, in, you know, it's, it's, it's so difficult uh, because as, as much as it's, it might seem easy to, to talk about like, um, you know, with so many good wide receivers coming out of college in the last couple of years and continuing next year, um, while it, while it could be easier to find talented receiver at the end of the day, you know, you, like you said, Christian Kirk was a second round pick and he hasn't really lived up to the potential that he had coming into the draft. Andy Isabella was a second round pick. He went ahead of DK Metcalf in the draft, oh. which I know must hurt, you know, when DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin go after you take a wide receiver. Um, right. 
and, and Andy Isabella, like you said, though, you know, because the guys can have the size and the speed like DK and Andy Isabella might both have, you know, physical types that you could say, like, this is something we can work with. And yet it's hard to find those guys. So when you do, that's when you trade for DeAndre Hopkins and, and, and give him right. whatever kind of money he wants. Um, if I were to ask you to shoot, Lee, shoot me some, like, um, point grades from, like, a 0 to 10 rating, if I were to say, how would you rate on a 0 to 10 scale the offensive line this season, what would you give them? Seven. Seven is been, pretty solid. Yeah, they've been really good in pass protection. Um, and they're improving in, in run blocking. Um, mm. DJ Humphreys at left tackle has turned into a stud and a, and a team captain. Um, he's having his best season. And um, he's locked up long-term, right? He is. We just locked him up and, you know, for three years. A three-year extension, I think it was. Um, Justin Pugh's having a really good year at left guard. I give Humphreys a nine, Pugh mm. an eight. Mason Cole, maybe a six. Mm -hmm. um, our right guard, Sweezy, is J.R. Sweezy, mm -hmm. an old Seahawk. I'd say a four, maybe. Mm -hmm. He's been a kind of off and on. He's been hurt, too. Um, and um, that's my biggest worry coming into the Rams game is, you know. Aaron Donald. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I want to my strategy would be to put Max Williams right behind wherever he lines up as in this, you know, in the backfield mm. to just, cause boy, that, that game last week when he took over versus mm -hmm. 49ers, that stretch was just ferocious. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, when he, you know, got this fumble and the, yeah. he was in their backfield and just, you know, whipping guys left and right when he rushed off the edge that time and went right blue, right by and tackled Mullins. I mean, he is the most dynamic defender in the NFL. And if you don't double or tip, triple team him every play, he's going to wreak havoc. We were talking um, before the podcast about Larry Wilson, the legendary Cardinals Hall of Fame defensive back, who you told me uh, was your reason for being a Cardinals fan, that he drew you in. And, and right. uh, hearing you, you know, reading your articles and hearing you talk about uh, coaching and, and all this kind of stuff uh, and watching defensive players and appreciating them, like, where do you rank Aaron Donald? What is he? Who does he remind you of? And like, I mean, as in your opinion, should an, should someone like Aaron Donald be considered for MVP in in the right circumstances? Without question, and he reminds me of a of a smaller version of Reggie White. Mm. I mean, unblockable, and you know, can do it all. Um, Reggie White defended the run like a pro's pro and he was in that backfield. He was, he was such a pressure um, performer um, and you could put him, line him up anywhere across the line. He had that kind of versatility. You could line him up at end. You could line him up and tackle. You could put him at nose tackle. Mm -hmm. um, he'd dominate wherever he was. And um, Aaron Donald is just, he's a smaller version, but you know, he's a stick of dynamite. Um, and he's a real game changer. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, a guy like that. I mean, would the Rams defense be where they are this year? Which I, which is really the surprise of the NFC West to me. Mm -hmm. It's I thought they made a mistake letting go of Wade Phillips. Instead, they get Brandon Staley in, who nobody knows. Yeah, I mean, he's had three years NFL experience as a linebacker coach, although he was well trained under Vic Fangio. 
Yeah. Um, but a guy from out of nowhere, and suddenly they have this 37-year-old savant who is getting amazing production from players that you wouldn't, you know, like Damian Williams, um, you know, uh, who's the safety fuller, a six-round draft pick, you know. Um, yeah, Jordan Fuller, yep. Jordan Fuller. Um, you know, isn't it Damian Williams? Who's, uh, who's Darius, Darius Williams. Darius Williams, yeah, excuse me. No, yeah. Um, he's having a heck of a season. I mean, he's yeah. picking off balls. He had a near pick last week, I saw. Um, you know, and then, you know, Taylor Rapp. Rupp. It, Taylor Rapp, yeah, yeah. He went uh, he went on injured reserve recently. So he's 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 gonna be out for this one. Uh, oh, he is? Okay. Yeah. So Jordan Fuller, which really Jordan Fuller, you know, he took the reins in training camp. Uh, they've got another guy, Terrell Burgess, that he's on injured reserve that they drafted that uh, could be good. Um, but yeah, you know, the, 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 the fact with being, you know, Brandon Staley bringing in Leonard Floyd and Leonard Floyd has provided some of that missing yes. pass rush and, and dynamic uh, play at the edge of linebacker. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's, if not for, you know, uh, you, you know, you hate to sometimes, there's too many players and too many coaches involved with football to ever. The way I see it is that football really is, in my opinion, the absolute most fun sport to watch in the country of like major sports. Yeah. I think it is the absolute most fun sport to watch, but the hardest to understand. It is so complicated. Right. You know, there's so many people in there that I don't ever want to say like that a team's positive or negative outcomes is responsible for one player. But right. you have to, it's hard to not say that if Jared Goff wasn't a better quarterback, that this defense wouldn't have propelled them to a 10 and one or nine and two record or, or something by now, because it is so solid. Um, it, well, and then, then you have two studs on the back end too, and Ramsey and, mm -hmm. and Johnson. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know I'm a BC alum and I'm a little biased, but John Johnson is a stud. Oh yeah. I mean, I, he is. He'll be a free agent. So. Yeah, well, I'm. I can't imagine them not re-signing him. Well, they don't have any money, which is why he might uh, be able to. Oh, leave. right. That's why they had Jordan Fuller and Taylor Rapp and Terrell Burgess. So. Oh, right. You know, we'll see. Uh, well, well, you know, speaking of studs, how big of a stud is is Buda Baker? He's he's been out there. Uh, he puts up numbers. Sometimes, though, I'm not going to be good at evaluating players based on their numbers. So. Uh, the, the thing with the Cardinals defense that um, sort of mystifies me a little bit is, is where they're at today, because, you know, right. overall their defense would seem to be like fine, but they've given up 30 points per game over the last five games, Chandler Jones gone uh, on injured reserve. And you look at some of the pieces that they brought in, in the off season, like Jordan Phillips, and he's not playing. Um, then they have to go and, and mix things up with guys. You know, I noticed that in, Last year's matchups, not very many against the Rams, not very many defensive players for Cardinals will actually be back from where they were last season because right. of injured reserve or, or they left or, or whatever it is. Um, how, what is the shape of the defense going into this week? Well, Buddha is our stud. He is um, legit. I mean, you're from the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. um, how he got past the Seahawks in round two of that draft is still a major mystery to me. Um, he would have been a perfect player for them. Of course, they, they had Earl Thomas at the time, but, but he, Buddha could have played inside. You know, Cam Chancellor was on his way out 
Um, the kid is, he covers up so many weaknesses. It's just, you know, without him, we played one game this year without him, Ken, and we got smoked in Carolina. Uh -huh. um, you know, the defense couldn't stop them at all. Teddy Bridgewater had a big day. and um, They didn't even have McCaffrey for that game, but Mike Davis ran for like 130 yards. Um, without Buda in there, it's it's tough. But with him in there, I mean, he strikes fear in the heart of anyone who tries to run over the middle. Um, and he's a very textbook drive-through, wrap, and tackle player. He he tackles the way you're taught. You you would mm. you know if you were going to put on a tackling clinic for smaller defensive backs, mm -hmm. put on his tape and see. He runs right through people, but he mm. wraps at the same time. It's not just, you know, hit. Um, why, why is that hard for, you know, for players to pick up? Why, why is tackling an issue for players? Like, what, why, why is something that seems so simple to the layman so difficult when it's just like, hey, you know, why would you ever, you know, is it because they want the, the highlight? Like, what, what is so difficult about this? Well, I think it's often – that what happens when defenders want to tackle too high. Mm. I mean, the easiest way to bring someone down is at the legs. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, these days with stiff arms, you try to go high on a running back, he's going to sock you in the face. I mean, you really have to go for the legs. And Buda Baker is a master of that. Um, his, pad, you know, you talk about pad level, right? I mean, his pad level is ideal. I mean, and but he's also uses his, you know, his size, his lack of size to his advantage where that's concerned. Um, you know, he can get, you know, playing out into someone's legs fast and quickly and mm -hmm. be right there quicker than a taller. Like we're having a little bit of that issue with Isaiah Simmons right now, who's, you know, six foot three. Mm -hmm. And he got called for helmet to helmet twice in, in the Patriots game, the second of which really cost us, yeah. um, you know, but, and it was, if you looked at it, he didn't really lead with the helmet in either case. It's just that at his size, you know, getting the pad level down that quickly isn't easy. And, you know, also if the, if the running back comes down a little bit with his head, there could be perceived helmet to helmet contact. Mm -hmm. So it's all about pad level. Now to get your pad level right, you got to be able to break down properly. And th that's a technique that coaches, you know, teach all the time mm -hmm. and, you know, and get your base and, you know, head across, hit, you know, wrap, keep your feet moving, which mm -hmm. a lot is a mistake. A lot of tacklers, you know, they just kind of reach and stop their feet. Mm. And that's a recipe for failure. Mm -hmm. It's amazing to me how many pro defenders are lousy tacklers, <laughs> especially yeah. defensive backs who are cover guys. Uh -huh. Like our defense, you know, like Patrick Peterson, he, he doesn't play with pad level at all. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't want to get hurt. Yeah, which is part understandable, but for sure, at the same time we got to win. Yeah. You got to, you got to win mean, the play and you can't I miss mean, the tackles screens to his side. You know, anybody who's coaching against us knows, you know, 
he's not going to stick his nose in there and, you know, and he's pretty easy to block. Yeah. I mean, um, Vince Lombardi said uh, that, you know, people try to make up things that don't exist, but this game is really just blocking and tackling, you know? It certainly is. It still is. Right. And yeah. uh, the best teams do both. Yeah. yeah. If you can block, I mean, yeah, it's just anything you break down. Like if you can block and you can tackle, it's really hard to uh, be unsuccessful you know, at least remaining competitive. Uh, uh, as we wrap up the show here, uh, Walter, um, I don't really do predictions, so, but I, I am curious your confidence level for, for the Cardinals right now. Um, just for anyone out there listening, the Cardinals are six and five, as you said in the beginning of the show, the Cardinals are six and five, a three-point loss to the Lions, a 10-point loss to the Panthers, a three-point loss to the Dolphins, a seven-point loss to the Seahawks, and a three-point loss to the uh, Patriots, which is really just your five losses here, three of them on the road. That's a really simplistic breakdown, just scores and all that kind of stuff. So I wouldn't say to take away too much from that. But the Cardinals have two more games remaining against the Rams. This one's at home. Then they play the Giants, the Eagles, and the 49ers. Um, where is your confidence level at with the Arizona Cardinals for the year 2020? Um, at the end of these five games, like how confident are you that you will um, feel, you know, uh, that the Cardinals are, you know, in contention? I'm confident in the team's effort. And um, I think that we're making strides, even though we've lost some close games. Um, I like the coaching staff and um, I think the players have responded, like I was saying before, to be, down to the wire in 10 of the 11 games is a coup in itself. Um, you know, there really haven't been any blowout games. In fact, we've had sort of two blowouts on our end um, with the, when we beat the Washington football team and the Cowboys, those games were over by the fourth quarter. Yep. Um, so um, the key to this game for me is, if Jared Goff is running around loose of bootlegs, forget it. We have no chance. Mm. Um, and I'm so sick of watching that when we play them. Um, <laughs> they do a good job of getting him out there um, off bootlegs um, and waggles and sprint outs. And, and he's got an amazing high percentage throwing on the run. I think he's got the best percentage in the NFL. So the key to the game from, for me is the Cardinals have to keep him in the, in the, you know, pocket. And what we've seen in recent weeks, he can struggle from there. If you get pressure in his face, mm -hmm. we have to do those two things. If we do that, I think it'll be a close game. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm going to be interested to see how, Brandon Staley defends our offense, mm -hmm. whether he's trying to take pages out of the Patriot, the Seahawks and Dolphins and Patriots who have zoned Kyler Murray with the linebackers, um, which is a risk because you're leaving the gray area behind them open. Um, it's something that the Cardinals have to have to exploit in my opinion. Um, yeah, and, it doesn't seem like the Cardinals are winning low-scoring games. No, and they're not in too many. They haven't been in too many low-scoring games. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the offense is pretty high-powered. So, and I, I, I'm just curious because, you know, J Sean McVay has had our number 
ever since he arrived. He's he's six and oh. And only one of those games wasn't a complete total blowout. And that was the last game we played last year Mm -hmm. in LA. Um, And Kyler played pretty well. Um, It was a nice bounce back game from the earlier pasting that the Rams laid on the Cardinals um, following the bye week last year. Yeah. And um, in the past, we've been a panacea to um, Jared Goff's woes. He's come off bad games and head into a Cardinal game and suddenly has 380 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. That can't happen for us to win this game. So my confidence level is, you know, pretty even keeled. I, I, you know, I'm just more fascinated at this point to see how teams defend Kyler. Yeah. um, And, and our offense. And then, you know, and seeing how our defense can improve and play, you know, this is a big game for our defense because, you know, mm-hmm. they know what they're up against. And, you know, Buddha's going to have to be awesome in the middle there, taking mm-hmm. on Cup and, and um, Woods. You've got to somehow slow them down. And I like your running. Cam Akers yeah. had a really nice game, had that great run. Uh, he was a guy that we were hoping to draft. I know a lot of us at Revenge of the Birds – Liked yeah. him a lot, and uh, and Henderson um, <clears throat> is is great at that off tackle play. Yeah, he is one of the top uh, off tackle offenses for sure uh, in the ground game in the NFL, and and that's that's been the key to when the Rams are successful. And and when you can't run the football, uh, they haven't been as successful. And that's uh, that's that's something that relates that the Cardinals can certainly relate to is uh, having that successful ground game. And uh, it'll be interesting to see this weekend what happens between Aaron Donald and that offensive line. Uh, yes. that, that NFC West came into the season, touted it as the toughest division in the NFL, and I haven't seen any evidence against that because the right. 49ers are in last place, and they looked last week like one of the best teams in the NFL because I think that when they're healthy, they still have all that talent there, and they don't even have Nick Bosa and George Kittle. So uh, when you talk about them as the last-place team and then the Cardinals are 6-5, and five, thinking about where this division will be in a year when Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins have more time together, when Isaiah Isaiah Simmons has another year, Buda Baker returning. Like, There's a lot of reasons to think that the Cardinals, if it's not this year, will be uh, in that – they could be in that 13-3 and type of record range next year. You know, I don't want to jinx you there. Well, maybe I do, but uh, we'll see how the (laughs) Cardinals uh, change next year. But, uh, yeah, very should be a very good game here as well as uh, in Week 17. Maybe there will still be more um, drama for, for that Week 17 matchup. Uh, Walter Mitchell, thank you so much for an hour of your time. We went over, and uh, but I really enjoyed talking football with you. Me too, Ken. You really know your stuff, and uh, I'm looking forward to the game, and hopefully we'll get a chance to, to um, trade notes about it after. I would love that. I would love to do that. Anything you would like to say to the listeners out there uh, about uh, anything at all before we go? Yeah, stay safe. I mean, it's really a blessing that we can watch football during this just, mm-hmm. you know, horrific time. And, um, you know, everybody stay safe. Um, take all the precautions and, um, you know, um, yeah, be well. Be well. I love that. Uh, Thank you, Walter, uh, for joining us. And that's it for this episode of Pod TST. Come back next week and we will pod again.